Fritz Enrico Palazzo! Welcome to another edition of the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. Featuring two-time champion of the Bless You Boys Fantasy Baseball League, Michael Govier, and the host with the most, Christopher Deary. Take it away, Chris. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Palazzo Podcast. Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Podcast. Welcome all. This is week two. We are a fantasy baseball podcast. Also, all things MLB. Uh, if you want to find us, you can pl- find us at Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. That's two L's, two Z's. We're also on Twitter at Palazzo Podcast. So, some of the new followers we have on Twitter. The Laker Dude. Oh, yeah. I don't know that guy, but he seems like he likes L.A. stuff. <laughs> Birds, wa- Birds Watcher, an Orioles fan. That's great. If you want to get some great prospect information on the Orioles, check it out. And I'm- also go Blue Jays. Yeah, uh, they like the Blue Jays. Hey, thanks for following us. We followed you in return. It's all about, um, what's the word? Symbiosity? No. Symbiotic? Wait, Synchronicity was a song by the police. Synchronicity 2. And Synchronicity 2 was way better than Synchronicity 1. It was, it was more fast-paced. Yeah, well... First one's like, doo, 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 doo. I don't <laughs> a little like jazzy. It. It's not great, uh, but symbiotic means I can't exist without you, and vice versa. So we share off of each other to survive. So that's what social media is all about, you know. If you got good information, we're gonna follow you, and hopefully you'll uh, follow us. So Mike, we got a jam-packed show today. We're gonna talk about uh, some of the rule changes of 2020. Uh, get into some of the recent signings. We are only nine weeks from opening day and less than three weeks from pitchers and catchers reporting. So uh, sun will be starting to break out. Snow is going to start to melt, and uh, it's baseball time, folks. Wow, I love baseball. Let's do it, man. All right, so let's deep dive into some of the rule changes that we have for 2020. Uh, A lot to cover here. Uh, So the roster will now be 26. Um, It'll expand to 28 in September. Hmm. How do you think that really impacts fantasy? I mean, you have one more guy available on the roster every day, and odds are it'll probably be a pitcher with the way bullpens have gone over the last uh, 10 years. I definitely see it being a pitcher, and that kind of uh, goes into one of the other new rule changes is that all pitchers must face three batters or end a half inning. What do you feel about that rule change, Mike? Well, it's a load of crap, really, because most pitchers come in with two outs. or The key situations are usually, hey, there's runners on, there's two outs, so... If the inning ends and you only face one guy, this three-batter rule will hardly factor in. And if you bring in a setup man for the eighth inning with no outs, usually that setup man's going to pitch the whole inning. I just don't think it really – it's just like a clear definition of the rules, but it doesn't really change the game at all. Yeah, I know Joe Madden was not happy with us at all. He, he thinks that it's fucking with the strategy <gasps> of, of pitchers. Joe uh, Madden's pissed? Which I understand. He's all for the game being sped up, which is uh, kind of the mantra that Manfred's been going on the last couple of years. I'm not sure this speeds up the game, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of this rule. We'll see how it actually affects some of the strategies in the game. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally on board with it. It'll be interesting to see how it goes moving forward. 
Yeah, we'll see how Joe Madden does as a manager. That's an exciting story. Yeah, Madden back at it. Uh, he's got a nice team out there in L.A. Obviously, you have the best player in baseball and Mike Trout. They make the big, big Anthony Rendon signing. So uh, Madden going in for an, another round with a new team. Remember how excited you are about Anthony Rendon, too. Oh, last yeah. week. Would you have him a fifth or sixth or something like that? You had him really I had him, I had him in the top ten. I believe I had him eight. That was really impressive. I haven't seen it that high so far, so kudos to you if you end up being right. Yeah, so a couple other changes that will definitely affect fantasy baseball. All pitchers are required a 15-day DL stint with position players at 10. So we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, definitely could affect some of your fantasy baseball pitchers. Um, it, it was clear that they made this rule based on uh, you know what L.A. was doing last year with you know putting guys on that short DL stint, skipping a start, and then uh, bringing oh, yeah. them back. Mm-hmm. But there will still be finagling, and the best of the best general managers and front office minds and the analysts will always stretch the limits of opportunity. That's life. That's what America's all about. So watch out for that, folks, because it could affect your fantasy season and your real baseball seasons going forward. People who have... Slight injuries will be put on the 15 DL, and they might not be happy about it, but that's just how it's going to be. They'll, they're going to be missing a start or two with minor injuries like a, blist, a blister. I mean, a blister is a dreaded be, blister. Yeah, I mean, Rich Hill knows about blisters. Blisters <laughs> can be a real problem, but you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there could be some angry players who get put on a 15 day DL when they really don't want to be in the name of maximizing roster efficiency. Gotcha, gotcha. So a couple more rule changes here. So teams must designate players as either a position player, a two-way player, or a pitcher. Yeah, this one's weird. 20 innings pitched, 20 games with three at-bats at each position to be designated as that position. I don't know why they've made this rule. Because who cares if a guy pitches a couple games a year or maybe gets in as a hitter as a pitcher? I mean, this goes back a while. What was that guy from the Diamondbacks and the Red? Was it Micah Owings was a really good hitter? He was a pitcher. Yeah. He was a pinch hitter, too, wasn't it's he? It's like uh, Michael Lorenzen for the Reds last year. Exactly. So now Michael Lorenzen can't hit? He can't pinch hit if he's not designated as a two-way player? Because he would have – or does that mean that he could still be a pitcher and pinch hit because he's not going to have 20 games where he has three at-bats? I don't know. This seems like just a waste of time and just kind of filling our heads with crap. That's yeah, it's interesting. It. I'm not too sure I understand the new rule change whatsoever. My so, head is uh, filled with crap, dearie. Help me. Too much information. Bleed it out. All right, so the last one we have here uh, has to do with position players pitching. Um, so there's a new rule that's going to be in place that they can only come in with a, a seven-run lead or greater, or it's extra innings. Do you wrote this down, Mike. It jumped from 26 in 2016 to 90 in 2019. Are you trying to tell me 90 position players came in and pitched last year? That's correct. That's crazy. According to the article I got, I got this from uh, Emma Bacaleri. She's a writer for, I think, Sports Illustrated. She does really good stuff, by the way. Check her out on social media last year there would only be four players who would not have been eligible to pitch so it doesn't really matter that much but there are a lot more position players that are getting time as pitchers in games <laughs> i don't know why that is it's just maybe there's more blowouts there's a lot of home runs now so there's a lot of run scoring so games are getting out of hand that's one theory yeah i mean uh i mean starting pitchers aren't going late in the games as much as they used to so i mean there's some guys that are going four or five innings and then you got the long relief guy I'd have to check to see how many uh, extra inning games we had last year. But, yeah, I I just don't think pitchers are going long. And, you know, they're they're saving some of these guys' arms, so they're not, you know, pitching in as many back-to-back days as relief pitchers. I'm saving all my arms for you. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah, a little Houston tribute. If you like that, give us a shout at it. Uh, 
Palazzo Podcast on Twitter or hit us up, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Deary, do you want to talk about how much you hate the name? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, come on. It, it, <laughs> Go ahead. Let's, let's put this out for the people who listen to this. I think it's entertaining. It just doesn't roll off the tongue well, does it? No, it no, it doesn't. I, I I'm all for a baseball centric podcast name, so it's easy for people to find us. But yeah, Palazzo, Palazzo, Palazzo podcast. Um, well, hey, folks, yeah, I, you know, I love the reference in Naked Gun for sure. Of course. Um, but ho- hopefully, people will still be able to find us. We'll see how it goes. I know, you know, the Sharp Idiots was our previous name, and Deary came up with it. It was a great name. I love the Sharp Idiots. It's not a baseball-centric name, so that I absolutely understand, especially if we're focusing fully on fantasy baseball at this point. Yeah, well, I may have come to regret this decision of creating this name because I just <laughs> did it all on a whim last week when I created everything. <laughs> and then it was done. The work was done. Yeah, so. it was a real quick decision there. It you was. didn't talk to the board of directors. No, I didn't, uh, and I don't feel good about that. But, you know, I think it's a fun name, and, you know, if you simplify it with, like, Palazzo Podcast, it comes off pretty quickly. That's a alliteration, so that's fun. Two L's, two Z's. Yeah, see, it gets pretty easy. I'm warming up to the idea. <laughs> so, pitchers and catchers are set to report February 12th. Wow. That's like two days before Valentine's Day. Yeah, are it's you, always you, like... Uh, you yeah. got any plans? Uh, for pitchers and catchers report? <laughs> uh, no, for Valentine's Day. Uh, no, it's... <laughs> so, we should actually... Uh, I wish we could do a call-in with my wife. We actually do something for pitchers and catchers report. She's obviously a huge baseball fan, Yankee what? fan, and... Uh, we don't celebrate celebrate Valentine's Day. People ask us all the time, do you celebrate Valentine's Day? And Christina always says, we celebrate Pitchers and Catchers Report Day. I can verify that. That is definitely true. I remember when we first lived together <laughs> 14 years ago. You're like, yeah, we don't do Valentine's Day. You know, we just yeah, you know, we love holiday. each other every day. Screw that holiday. That's great for you guys. I think that's unique. But if I was going to celebrate on Pitchers and Catchers Report Day, I would do something like... Uh, you know, maybe buy a catcher's glove and Ooh. make sweet love to it or something like that. I mean, that would be really romantic. And you then know, I would I, know baseball season has begun. I need a new glove. Are we going to throw? Are you going to throw this year? Uh, I'm thinking about getting back into softball. Oh, you hate softball. What I do hate about, softball. I, I would much rather play hardball, but uh, I'm, really get, <laughs> I'm really getting the itch, man. It's probably because I've been playing basketball for the last few months, and I'm, I just suck at basketball. I want to get back into something I'm decent at. As I remember from uh, our old softball days... You uh, were a better hitter in baseball than you were in softball. I hate hitting in softball. Which drove you nuts. I hate hitting in softball. Yeah. Well, I would love to play softball again, too. Maybe we'll yeah. get a team going. I love playing defense in softball. Playing the outfield or playing uh, you know middle infield, that's a blast. Yeah, because that's still, like, that's closer to the game. Like, you know, especially in the infield, if you're playing third base, how fast the ball comes down from softball, it's so fast. It's insane. It's beyond the hot corner. It's like the warp speed corner. But I agree with you. Fielding in softball is fun. Now, we can... It doesn't mean that we love softball more than baseball. We'll always love baseball first. And I want that to be very clear going forward on this podcast. All right. So first spring training game, Royals-Rangers, February 21st in Surprise, Arizona. Ooh. Actually, my parents are down in Arizona right now. And my dad actually hits up a lot of these minor league games when he's down there. I'm actually going to Arizona in March. There you go. Uh, for our fantasy baseball draft and a wedding. It's a twofer. Amazing. Yeah, I can't believe it's uh, a friend of ours, Jason Mangold, is getting married. He's in the pod- He's in the league that I'm in, my main league. And uh, he's arranged to have the draft the day after his wedding. That's so he's, interesting. So he's, he's getting married on <laughs> Saturday the 6th or whatever, and then the 7th, we're having the draft party at his house. So, and- so which came first? Like him... 
I don't him, know. The, I have which no idea. did he plan first? The the fantasy baseball <laughs> draft or his wedding? I don't know. I truly don't know. That's interesting. That'll be that'll be an interesting uh, following day for sure. I don't even care because it's what exciting. What's more fun than weddings and fantasy drafts? God, I love drafting. Yeah. Yeah, and I love weddings. I love both those things. It's gonna be a great weekend. I can't wait. So, but my point being is, I'm gonna maybe I'll go to Surprise Arizona and catch a game because I've been talking with my girlfriend about maybe just like doing a week trip because spring training will be in full effect, and I can get some real good breakdowns. Maybe check out some players, get you guys some excellent analysis to bring back for the pod. Yeah, maybe you could do a road pod. They even better. Absolutely. I could <laughs> Skype in. That would be awesome. Yeah, check out some of those sites down there uh, in, in old AZ. Mike, are you more of a Grapefruit League fan or a Cactus League fan? I'm always a Grapefruit League guy because the Tigers are part of the Grapefruit League, right? So, yeah, down in Lakeland, down in Florida. We've been down there before. Joker Marchant Stadium, which I thought was like the oldest um, site, but apparently it's not the oldest spring training site. Which is the oldest? Uh, apparently it's the McKechnie Park, which I guess it has a new name now because it's sponsored by the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. <laughs> so it's considered, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's called like Lecom Park, but it's the one in uh, Bradenton where the Pirates play. It's been around since 1923. Beautiful Bradenton, Florida. Yeah. It's not far from Lakeland, which is not far from Sarasota and St. Petersburg. And, you know, going down there, remember when we went down and we saw the Tigers. Do you remember that trip in 2008? I sure do. It was, it was cold. It was very cold. <laughs> it was cold. I, I was wearing a hooded sweatshirt, full <laughs> pants. I, we uh, we got a ball from Andy Van Slyke. Oh, that's that? right. Yeah. That was awesome. He tossed us the ball and yeah. uh, it was very cold and they lost to the Mets or they beat the Mets. It was a very low scoring affair because nobody could hit because it was so damn cold. I think Mike Hessman hit a home run that day though. <laughs> Mike Hessman? I, the first time I ever went to spring training was 1999. Okay. And I saw Gabe Alvarez in a home run. Remember oh, Gabe? Oh yeah, left-handed bat. Third base prospect. Third base for the prospect. Tigers? Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That we that we uh, went to the Braves. Uh, the Braves play in what, like uh, Orlando area, or I think they have a new stadium now. But they used to play around like Disney World, and I think we saw them play there, and then we saw play in Lakeland as well. And that was so much fun. It's, it's warm. It was actually nice, like spring training is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be at least at least be in the 70s. But last thing on spring training, I've also been to Arizona's. I went and saw the Giants play the Dodgers, where uh, Scottsdale was where the spring training site was. And that was a beautiful day. It was hot as hell. And the Giants played the Dodgers in what was the Giants stadium, but now apparently the Rockies are in Scottsdale. I can't keep track of the movement. That's why we're so fortunate as, like, Tigers fans to have Joker Martin Stadium being one of the, the longest one of the most continuous spring training sites in all of spring training. Yeah, and then you hop right over there to uh, Clearwater and uh, Tampa, and you got, I mean, uh, the Yankees are over there, the Phillies are over there. There's so many uh, minor league parks right in distance of each other down in Florida. So. That's true, and then you can go to Mons Venus. Old Mons Venus. <laughs> if you've been to Mons Venus, uh, check in with us. Yeah, hit us we up. Need, we need a review. <laughs> Uh, there's been a couple signings. We got some signings in the past Smooth week. moves. Smooth moves of uh, third week of January 2020. So, Marcelo Zuna, who was a free agent, um, signs $18 million one-year deal with the Atlanta Braves. Very surprising. Yeah, what's your take on this one, Mike? Uh, you talked about it being a log jam kind of with outfielders for the Braves. Well, yeah, if you start looking at the depth chart, I mean, the standard three would be Marquecas, Ozuna, and uh, the legendary Ronald Acuna Jr. But then you got uh, you had Adam Duvall popping in last year. Austin Riley also plays the outfield. And then you got NC Arte, who's a great fielder, and he can move on the base pass. 
And then if you start digging deeper, you got Drew Waters as a prospect. I'm really surprised they did this move. To me, it's like they sacrifice now, and it means they're probably going to move prospects at a deadline deal. Mm -hmm. Because Ozuna is banking on himself here. One year, $18 million, going Mm -hmm. all in just like other players, like Josh Donaldson did. It's Basically, he's following the blueprint in Atlanta that Josh Donaldson set up. Yeah, it's a, it's a confusing move for me. Um, I, I mean, I get it. Ender Inciarte hasn't been able to stay completely healthy. Um, Austin Riley came up last year and, and really was crushing the ball. Uh, Riley can also play third base as well. I'm not sure he's prepared to take over the starting position over there. But, yeah, I mean, Drew Waters and Christian Pache are two of their top prospects that look major league ready. We'll see if they start shipping some of these guys off, maybe to get some veteran pitching. Mm. Indeed. I, I think it uh, really raises his fantasy value this year because that's a great lineup, and he's going to be driving in a lot of runs, probably hitting fourth or fifth. So Yeah, he's going to bat in the middle. That I mean, that's a, that's a crazy lineup. Yeah, it's, I mean, this was already a good lineup, like you're saying, and now you throw him in with Freddie Freeman and Acuna Jr., woo! Yeah, Party I time. mean, guys like Ozzy Albies and uh, Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson had a, had a pretty good year last year. He's going to bat near the end of that order, but, uh, you know, that's still a threat. <laughs> Those names are Dansby! Dansby! Ozzy! LBs. You could all say it with a high-pitched voice. They're fun. So the Braves make another move. They sign old King Felix, Felix Hernandez, mm. to a minor league deal. Uh, are we going to see him up with the Braves at all this year? No, nah, this is a spring training thing. He won't bake the roster. Yeah, I, I, I think it's over for him. I, yeah, there's nothing else to say on that. It sounds like, hey, this guy's hanging on to dear life. Uh, he might catch on with another team, and maybe, 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 maybe he becomes a relief guy for a contender but I see a several moves for him before he actually locks onto a roster this year. Yeah, he's obviously lost some. Uh, he's lost some velocity. Uh, he's kind of going like the CC uh, CC Sabathia route, where he's you know just not a fireballer anymore, and he's got to be more crafty up there. But I'm not, I'm not sure he's got much left in the tank, and there's really not a spot in a kind of logjam rotation with the Braves right now. I'll, I'll be interested to see who they end up naming as their as their five as they break spring break. Definitely. Kansas City Royals re-sign longtime veteran Alex Gordon. $4 million, a one-year deal. $4 million for only one year. Seems kind of low to me. Yep. Nothing else to say about that. Yeah. You pick him up for two weeks in June when he has a hot streak, and that'll be it. You'll have a br- Someone will have a brief love affair with him on their fantasy team <laughs> for a week or two. Yeah. But he actually was better last year. I will say that. He was a little better than he usually was with a bat, and he had a good run in June where he was viable. But it kind of faded. Yeah, yeah. I, he's not someone that you're you're drafting in fantasy. Uh, yeah, he's he's one of those flyers that you take when he gets hot and you get a little two week run with him, uh, and you know maybe he can get get some good stats up there for you. So on the manager front, we still have a couple openings from this uh, you know debacle. A total of, debacle. Total debacle of uh, what what are we calling it? Signalgate. What, what has there been a name kind of uh, pinpointed into what the scandal is? Well, unfortunately, it's the Astros cheating scandal, but the <laughs> Red Sox cheated too, so yeah. it's not really fair. You can yeah. call it the MLB cheating scandal or uh, how I learned to love technology and cheat, you know, something like that. So the Mets and Astros still looking for managers. Um, and the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, yeah. Um, Luis Rojas, son of Felipe Alou, which is, this is new. I did not know this. Uh, you let me know this. Uh, Luis Rojas has been hired as the Mets manager. Yeah, he's a career minor league manager. He's managed at several levels in the Mets system. This is uh, kind of a harken back. I just use the word harken. Harkening back to a time when managers had experience and they worked their way up as opposed to just, you know, getting the managing job like Mike 
Uh, Matheny did. You remember, he was had no experience. Brad Ausmus had no experience. Hey, take a job. You played baseball, and that's good enough. This is a guy who has managed for many years. He's only 38, though, but he's got experience. He was a minor leaguer himself. His father and his brother, Moises Alou, great baseball minds, know the game inside and out. So this is a real pedigree hire. And okay. I... I was a big Hensley Mullins guy. I still hope <laughs> I really want Hensley Mullins to get a job. He's on the Met staff, but he got fight for Hensley. <sighs> the guy is a really interesting dude. I didn't know he's the first guy from uh, Caraco to and part of the Netherlands to play in the major leagues, and he's has a knighthood from the Netherlands essentially. It's oh. like the Order of the Netherlands Empire. It's just like the British give to uh, you know Paul McCartney and those people. So yeah. this guy's a fascinating dude with a lot of experience. I hope that maybe he gets a run at the other two jobs available. But, you know, congratulations, Luis Rojas, new manager of the Mets. So Astros yet to hire somebody. Uh, breaking news that they just interviewed Jeff Bannister. I think he's the kind of guy who would fit right into that clubhouse. He knows the area well. And it also might be comforting with all the crap that's going on, especially with the fan fest stuff where Altuve and Bregman basically said, we're going to win the series. And it's basically exactly like I said last week on the pod about how they were already going to flip the script and say they're the victims. <laughs> yep. They already did that at the Fan Fest last weekend. Yeah. So th that looked bad. I don't care about optics. The, you know, optics is this word that blew up in the 2010s. How things look means everything to people who are famous and are constantly have scrutiny on them. I don't have to worry about that. Neither do you because we're just regular people. Yeah. So Jeff Bannister getting the hire would look like kind of a calming of the waters for Houston if he was to take the job and be offered it. I just looked it up. Bannister's actually been out of baseball since the Rangers job. That's what I thought. I didn't, yeah, I he hadn't done sure. anything. Yeah, I think he's just been waiting. Maybe he's been dreaming of this job every day, working the channels. So, Michael, on Tuesday we had the Hall of Fame announcement. Boring. Yep, new inductees, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. Thoughts, Trash. Mike? Trash. Trash. Doesn't even want to talk about it. I hate Derek Jeter. I mean, I don't hate him. I know. I, I just look at him. He's just like the definition of like the coolest guy ever. So <laughs> his great. life is so Everyone's much better. Everyone's already kissed his else's. ass enough. Yeah. Yeah. You, your, your wife loves Derek Jeter. That's cool. That's fine. She's a Yankees fan. I, I think she that. cried watching the induction. See, that's Tuesday. how much of me. Are you gonna? <laughs> you guys gonna go this summer to Cooperstown? I don't know. We've thought about it. I know you have. I think you should do it. I mean, her favorite player is Mo. So, I mean, last year was the year that, that oh. we should have done it, but we just we had too much other shit going on last summer. Oh, yeah. Well, Jeter didn't get the unanimous vote, which is fine with me. Uh, Larry Walker getting in the Hall of Fame is fun. I love it. He's the first Canadian-born player, first Rocky, like exclusive Rocky, even though yep. he played for the Expos. So that's fun. He I made a 14% jump this year to get in. Yeah, that means next year nobody's going to be on the ballot. There's no players coming in next year that you have to put on the list. So the leftovers who are this, the scumbags, quote-unquote, like <laughs> Bonds and Clemens. And th those guys are scumbags to me. I want that on the record. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they're scumbags. Roger Clemens specifically is a piece of, he's a piece of trash. He's scum. He bangs 15-year-olds, and he lies about it. He <laughs> cheats. He does everything. It's, he is the most egotistical, reprehensible baseball player. Worse than Pete Rose. Worse than Ty Cobb, which was totally wow. proven to be. Most of that was false. Ty Cobb 
it was actually not as bad as the yeah. It's interesting as him, as, uh, as time has gone on, more uh, things have come out about Cobb that it was a little more overblown than uh, yeah. first realized. Yeah. Well, the movie did him no favors in 1994. Uh, by what was that guy's name? Oh, Al Al Stump, I think his name was. Al Stump being totally bogus. He was mm-hmm. a fraud. So, yeah. but point being is a uh, Larry Walker. Woohoo! That's great. Uh, Larry Derek Jeter. That's just expected. Yeah, I'm. Ha- I, I was a big Larry Walker fan when he came up with the Expos and had a great career in uh, in Colorado. Uh, Jeter being one short shot, one vote sh- short, one vote shy of being unanimous selection. I'm fine with that. Um, I don't think we're gonna have another unanimous selection for a very long time. I think unanimous selections. I think with Mariano Rivera being the first last year, some people are thinking, "Oh, well, we got the first unanimous guy. It's gonna start happening a lot more." There's a reason Mo was 100% because he's the greatest relief pitcher of all time. He's the best at his position that has ever been. Yeah, but Babe Ruth was like the definition of baseball greatness. He wasn't. There's so many guys that should have been unanimous. It's of course. It's garbage. Yeah, of course. That's uh, what it, I don't have a problem with Mo being unanimous. I have a problem with other guys who were not unanimous. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. what about Ken Griffey Jr. How's he not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of those old voters are starting to die off. Um, that's why a lot yes. more guys are going to start to get in, and they're kind of changing the uh, the kind of metrics of of what it means to to be a Hall of Famer. It's a very <laughs> it's a very weird system. Like you can start off like, oh, only fifty percent of the people voted for me. Ten years later, seventy five percent. A lot of the same voters. It's very odd. Uh, if you don't like podcasts that take joy in old baseball writers dying off, then uh, you don't have to listen. But here, I take pride in that. Woohoo! Yeah. I love progress. Let's get new blood in. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to next year. There's really no, nobody new coming on that's that great. Burley, Schilling's gonna get in. Tim Hudson. Yeah, I think Schilling's the guy that gets in next year, and that's it. He is. He's gonna get in. Uh, he deserves it too. I don't care about. I mean, I don't want to be friends with the guy. I don't want anything to do with him <laughs> for the most part. He seems like a real curmudgeon, and he scumbagged a video game company oh, in yeah, Island out of right. millions of dollars. Oh yeah. See, we love to bring the tidbits. I can't wait till somebody does a podcast about us and brings up all the terrible things we've done in our lives. Oh, no. It's going to be all- <laughs> Hopefully that never Somebody's happens. Somebody's just but- sitting at home with a whiteboard and they're just writing it down. <laughs> it's like in Billy Madison when Steve Buscemi's like people to kill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so Hall of Fame. You know, we'll put that to bed and uh, maybe we'll talk about it next year. Mike, an announcement just came out the other day. Rob Manfred is going to... Attempt this robo-umps, or electronic strike zone, during some spring training games this year. Really? A lot of people are up in air about it. Wow. What do you think of this robo-ump? Is it good for the game? Ah, oh, man. That is a tough one, because we all want efficiency. We want to maximize, get the best out of every position on the field. That includes officiating and umpiring. But... Umps are, to me, way more unique than almost any other sport when it comes to officiating and refereeing. You know, like uh, NFL officials, they're just robots, the ultimate robots. Uh, <laughs> they try to stand out with, like, Ed Hockley with his ripped uh, biceps and his tight shirts. You know, but people, that's all they really notice. Umpires have, like, character. They, are, they get in arguments. They can yell back. The name of this podcast Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> like that scene from The Naked Gun where the umps are arguing with uh, Frank Drebin on the field is so funny. I think Drebin needed needed uh, the, the system to be in place. <laughs> I, I think so, too. It really would have helped him. Otherwise, he's like, strike? He doesn't really know. Yeah, I'm for progress, like I said, but mm-hmm. I guess part of me would – I'd rather just keep the umps. I think okay. I, 
I think that's where I'm kind of standing on this. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I mean, to be clear, umps will still be on the field. So the way the system works is an umpire is still behind home plate. He has an electronic device in his ear, and there's a system that will let him know whether it is a ball or strike. In- instantaneously, he makes the call on base one, on what it was. Mm. Um, when I first heard about this a few years ago, I was really against it. And then Eric Burns, scumbag from uh, MLB Network, oh. uh, he actually was behind home plate for an independent league game a few years ago and actually tested out this system. And he was really, really impressed about the efficiency of it. Um, it changes based on the batter that is coming up, so everybody's strike zone is different based on the size of who they are. Um, and it was it really works seamlessly. If you were in the crowd or watching the game, you had no idea that um, that, that system was in place. Uh, so it works effectively to call the balls and strikes. Umpires are not on board with this at all. Um, I read today that uh, they had a new bargaining agreement uh, with MLB, and part of that agreement was that um, they would be, their service time and be able to retire and their benefits would be a little better. But the, the kickback on that for MLB is that uh, the umpires had to agree to at least move forward with attempting this. And Manfred wants to implement this in the next three years, which would be really, really interesting. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be umps remain, but have assistance. Just like there's replay now. Mm-hmm. Keep the umps. Bring in the robo umps, you know, whatever they do. The It's like an 80s robot from a Rocky movie or whatever. I don't know what it looks like, <laughs> but uh, have them both combined. I'm cool with that, too. But keep the umps. Bring in technology. Maximize efficiency with all of it. A little bit of human reality, a little human error corrected by technology. Let's do that. I, I think what it also goes away from is... Um, you know, pitch framing for, for catchers. That's going to be a lot harder. And that's that's a real skill mm. for major league catchers. And maybe you start seeing, uh, you know, more offensive catchers and guys that aren't focused on the defensive part of the game or the pitch framing as much now that this system might become into place in the next three, four years. We'll see. Yeah, that's a really good point about that. Excellent. All right, so it is time to move on, and we're going to start talking fantasy, fantasy baseball. Registration should be opening up soon, whether you're on ESPN or Yahoo or any of those other multitude of of, uh, systems that run fantasy baseball. CBS. CBS? Yeah, they do good fantasy. Oh, CBS. What do you think I said? CBS? I thought you said CVS. Yeah, we're going to go to CVS after this. Get some uh, Pedialyte, uh, maybe some Reese's Pieces. I don't know. It'll be a fun day. Great. Great. So each week we're going to focus on a, a certain position. This week we're going to focus on starting pitchers. Ooh. Definitely the most uh, important, the least available in terms of top-notch players. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's a strategy when it goes to, to starting pitchers. I talked about it last week. Do you go after a couple studs early, or do you got to wait, wait a little bit and go for those number two or number three starters and, and stockpile some of those guys? Mm. Um, so as we talk about these starting pitchers, the focus is really going to be on ERA, Whip, K per nine, walks per nine, the old BABIP, batting average for balls in play, and also left on base percentage. Oh, yeah. Well, there's way more than that, too. Of course there is. Mike is the one who's going to go deep dive when it comes into those Sabre metrics. You're a little more advanced into it than I am, uh, but that's good. We can have a little back and forth on that. No, we must all be the same. (laughs) I can't go that deep, man. It'll hurt my brain. Oh, come on. It's a beautiful brain. Look at that sexy head. (laughs) Sexy head. Sexy head. So, Mike, I've, I've made a list of my top 36 players, uh, wow. starting pitchers. I'm not sure if you made a list at all, but uh, I'd like to at least bring up some of these guys. 
Um, who's your number one guy? Oh, it's Degrom. Jacob Degrom. Uh, I'm on. I'm on board with that. He was also my number one guy. Yeah, I mentioned that last week. I took him ahead of Cole if I was doing a first round draft. So. Okay. Yeah, just looking at some of these other sites and, and kind of where the average draft position and, and rankings of some of these starting pitchers. I mean, DeGrom, Cole, Scherzer, um, those are kind of the top three that you see in a lot of places. Um, after that, it gets really interesting. You know, I've seen Verlander, who's now getting up in age, but someone I want to talk, someone I want to talk about is, is, is Chris Sale. Uh-oh. Where do you value Chris Sale? Well, it's a difficult time to be a Chris Sale fan because he's somebody who is a Fabulous. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball for a decade almost, but the injury history recently is really freaking people out. The elbow, what's going on with him? His, his average ADP right now, according to Fantasy Pros, is 35. Okay. So if he's healthy and ready to rock, going to give you 200 innings at a K, you know, nine rate of 10 plus. Yeah, last year. Time. Uh, yeah, I mean, last year it was 13.32, even though he only had, you know, 147 innings because of that injury. But he's definitely going to give you that high K rate, even even with the velocity down. Yeah, injury freak out here. It's like, is he healthy or not? I I hate – I like to stay away from guys when there's injury troubles. And I just – I think I can find something else or replace the production elsewhere. So, me, I'm going to stay away from Chris Sale. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's I, I'm I'm too worried about the you know anytime you hear elbow or shoulder issues that that's scary to me. Um, I mean, last year he 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 was walking more than he normally had. He was walking over over two and a half guys a game. Um, and the problem why his ERA was so high is he was just he was le- he he couldn't leave guys on base. He only got you know sixty six point seven percent of the guys left on base as a percentage, which is really really low. Most guys are in the high seventies. Really good guys are in the eighties. Um, so yeah, it was real, real off here. I'm mean, Chris Hale's only 30 years old, so he could definitely bounce back. But I mean, they're saying he, he avoided Tommy John and then he's just going to rehab the injury. Uh, we'll see how it goes, I, but I, I would stay away from him. Now, if you do pick him and you pick him early and he comes out of the gates is, and is great, I would try to ship him. Hmm. You know, I said I'd stay away from guys with injuries, and that freaks me out because he hasn't pitched 200 innings since 2017, okay? Now it's 2020, in case you don't know. And the one thing that gives me pause about my own opinion here is that his <laughs> his deeper metrics really show that he's a lot better than his ERA last year. Last year's ERA was 440, okay? Yep. His FIP was 339, and his ex-FIP was 293. So... That is a real red flag to me, and I actually just saw that now, so I'm I'm kind of thinking, wow, there could be some value with Chris Sale if he's healthy, but I hate taking pitchers and going with pitchers, especially in deep keeper leagues. Hell no. I just It's too much of a risk. If you lose a keeper because he has Tommy John, you just burned. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've never been a, a guy who takes a starting pitcher super early. Um, you know, I've had DeGrom in the past and I've always been able to get DeGrom like, you know, second round, but I I like to wait till, you know, at least the third or fourth round to go after some pitchers and maybe go back to back with some guys. Absolutely. So looking at kind of some risers that I was thinking of, uh, this year, guys who had some pretty good seasons last year. And I I believe our, our, our top 10, top 15 starting pitchers. I got a couple names on here. Uh, Walker Bueller. Jack Flaherty and Lucas Giolito, all guys that are young, all guys 25 and younger. Who do you like out of those guys? Oh, man, that's really tough. Uh, Flaherty's definitely third. If I'm ranking the three of them, I'll probably go Bueller, Giolito, and Flaherty. 
That would be how I'd rank the three of them. Uh, Flaherty is due for some major regression, which kind of goes into some of the guys that we can look at who are also regression or bounce-back candidates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flaherty, we all know, had a killer second half. Insane, you know, .91 ERA in 100 innings pitched in the second half. Killer. 94% people he left on base. 94. For those you know, last for those last 99, 99 innings? Yeah. Or whatever? That's yeah, crazy. How absurd that is? Yeah. Yeah. It was 83.3% for the whole season, which <laughs> I believe went ranked fifth. Yeah. That, to me, that just is like, I don't think that's sustainable. So he's still going to be a great pitcher. I just think the value that he's risen up to now is too high. And I yeah. don't think he really belongs in the category mm-hmm. of Bue- Bueller's the number one. Bueller is probably somebody who I would actually take over. Verlander and Scherzer and Sale, really all three of those guys. I might put him third behind DeGrom and Cole as a top three starting pitcher, arguably. Yeah, I'm a big Walker Bueller fan. Um, I think his his kind of deeper numbers give a little more credence to it being true compared to Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. I mean, Flaherty's uh, BABIP last year was 242. That's, that's really, really low. I think that's going to take an uptick this year. But yep. back to Walker Bueller, I mean, I think Walker Bueller's set to have a monster season. Uh, came up a couple years ago, you know, they've kind of been hiding him behind, you know, Kershaw and some of the other guys they've had over there. But I I have Bueller uh, seventh overall for my starting pitchers, and I have no problem uh, seeing, seeing him maybe being a top five guy. Hey, I completely agree with you. You and I are what they call simpatico. <laughs> so what about Lucas Giolito? Lucas Giolito was this big superstar prospect. You know, he's kind of been up and down the last few years. Um, you know, he was traded to the White Sox, and last year he had a really good season with the White Sox. Giolito is the man. Giolito is a guy who I just think is someone who is rising and rising and rising because he was already a huge prospect. Remember what a stud he was supposed to be? Yeah. The Nationals gave him up in the yeah. monster trade to the White Sox to get Adam Eaton. <laughs> Adam Eaton was part of that deal. Um not the best deal. That was there was a couple deals there with Ronaldo Lopez and Giolito. Well, Nats won a World Series. It's true they did win a World Series, so maybe it was worth it. But yeah. point being is, we know Giolito's pedigree. He struggled immensely for a few years, and it looked like maybe he was falling off. But last year he exploded, and with his stats, I am really just keen on the dude. I had him on my team last year that I won my league with, but I traded him at the trade deadline mm-hmm. for Josh Bell. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that really worked out, to be honest with you. Um, However, I will say that he's probably someone I would keep looking at because he's only going to get better. So he's maybe, oof, maybe right behind Bueller and maybe ahead of Verlander. Well, I think there's going to be a regression with Verlander. I think he's going to go backwards. Well, he's going to have to. That season he had was insane last year. Yeah, he's not Roger Clemens. I mean, he's getting old. He's not going to cheat like him. Yeah, so, I think he's still a guy who's going to be consistent for you, but I, I don't have him, you know, in our in my top five. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm big on Giolito. If I could get him back, and probably if anyone is in my league and listens to this, they're probably going to take advantage of me now, and that's what I have a hard time, <laughs> I have a hard time giving out fantasy information when people know how I feel about things. Yeah, what I like about Giolito is, you know, he had a 1.06 WHIP last year, and most of that was because of hits. It wasn't because of because of or most of that was because of walks, not because of hits. So if he can take down that that uh, walk per nine, it was just a hair under three. I think that can come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Left seventy seven point seven percent of the guys left on base. Ooh. Um, three point four one ERA. I think he can only go up from there. Yeah, I mean the guy struck out two hundred thirty hitters last year in one hundred seventy seven innings. So that's pretty darn good. 
All right, excellent. So we've, we've already talked a little bit about Jack Flaherty. Um, let's talk about some guys that are either due for regression or a bounce back. So Luis Severino last year did not pitch. He had an injury, and um, is he going to be able to come back and be what he was in 2018? I say no injury, no problem. That's my motto. Uh, I know that the guy can pitch. He looked well. Looked well. Is that what you would say? He looked well. He looked well. Yeah. He looked well in the playoffs when he came back at the very end of the season. He looked like he was ready to rock. So mm-hmm. if there are no setbacks, and there was no setbacks from his rehab and return, and now he's got a whole off season to prep, I think he's ready to rock. And if you go back to the 2018 season, the guy was a badass. And all the numbers bear that out. So if I'm saying let's buy in on Luis Severino. Let's do it now. Yeah, I think he'd be a good, uh, real good number two to have on on your team. Or if you wait a little bit, and he might end up being your number one. He's a guy who could be a top fifteen. He pitcher could definitely sure. be your number one. Absolutely, he could be a top ten pitcher, no problem. I'll throw that out there right now. So Corey Kluber makes the move over to Texas. Uh, Corey Kluber, fantasy stud for many, many years. Multiple Cy Youngs. New ballpark, getting a little older. Mm. What's your take on Kluber? I got to tell you, I think this is a different story because Kluber is older than Severino, and I just I have a bad feeling. Now, sometimes, guys, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. All the stats, all the information we have, sometimes you just go with how it, it looks, the eye test, the gut feel, okay? And I know that's passe, and it's totally outdated, but damn it, I still do it. And you know what? I think I do pretty well in fantasy by sometimes just trusting my gut. And I think in this case, I'm going to stay away from Kluber. I looked up his stats at Arlington Ballpark. Oh, no. I mean, that's a, that's a bandbox paper. He it ashes the ball in the heat down there. That's true. The, now, I know Arlington Ballpark's gone because the Rangers are opening Global Life Park or whatever now. But it's still the same area, right? So he only had 20 innings pitched there, which is pretty low. I guess he didn't pitch in Texas much. Hmm. But he did have eight walks in 20 innings. Ooh. So you want to talk about cherry-picking <laughs> a stat. <laughs> there you go. Goes to Arlington Walks, guys. <laughs> So, uh, to me, I'm stay away from Kluber. What up? Is that how you feel, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Kluber's still only 33 years old. Um, you know, in, we just talked about it. Injuries can be an issue. He's down in Texas, a place where, you know, they, the ball flies there. Um, he's a guy I might take a flyer on late if, uh, you know, you know, if I can get him as my second or third pitcher. But, uh, yeah, it's a little worrisome. We'll, we'll see where, how he does. New, new team. Uh, yeah, I'm probably staying away from Kluber, too. You know, the thing about it, though, is, like, how late can you wait to get a guy like Kluber? You know, he's going ADP 84 right now. 84, so you're looking maybe fourth, fifth round. Right. But if you're trying, if you're trying to wait beyond that, I think people are going to jump on him more. I'm going to see his ADP rise, actually, as this more drafts come out, and we head into February, and more big-time draft season picks up. Yeah, I see a lot of people maybe reaching for him in the second or third round because they know what Corey Kluber used to be. It's a name brand, baby. It always sells. The next guy we're going to talk about is someone that I know you've always liked, Mike. Uh, James Paxton. Oh, boy. James Paxton. God, I love him. He, he's so big and he's so powerful. He's the big maple. You know? My girlfriend's Canadian. I love Canadians. Is he Canadian? Oh, hell yeah. Oh. That's a, yeah, he's the big maple, baby. <laughs> when yeah, he threw baby. his no-hitter in Toronto, of all places, which was really cool a couple years ago. Uh, here's an interesting stat once again. Hit the stat button. Do we have a stat button? Or do we? No, we don't. This is not like the Dan Patrick show. We have the stat of the day song. Or... Stat of the day. Stat of the day. <laughs> uh, uh, stat oh, of the very day. good, dear. Yeah. Um, so 
Maybe this is just Yankee system processing. This is what the Yankees love to do. But he threw his cutter 6% more last year than he did in 2018. Hmm. That's a huge jump for pitch percentage. I mean, he went from 14 to 20. That's a monster move. So I don't know what that says. Like, maybe he's going to go back more to curveball because his curveball went down a couple percentage points, not as big as the cutter. But his curveball's so great. And he only really throws fastball, cutter, curve. So I just love his power game, man. 11.11K per nine as yeah. a starting pitcher. I know Chris Sale can get up to 13. He has been the master of all masters. But mm-hmm. I still think that James Paxton has not hit his – he hasn't hit his apex. He, he is not. Hold his packs now. He's in his early 30s, right? Uh, yeah, I would say so. He broke I in in 2013. he's 31 so or 32 now. This is going to be his seventh or eighth season. He's definitely around 31. But he doesn't have a lot of miles on that arm either. Last year he had 150 innings. You know, he had that, that knee injury. Um, yeah, he's 31 years old. Okay, 31. Uh, he walked a lot of a lot of guys last year. 3.29 walks per nine. Ew. That's, that's, that's ugly. You don't want to see that. And... You know the BABIP was at 313. Uh, he did a decent job keeping guy or getting out of innings when guys were on base. But I think Paxton's a guy that could have a really big season in New York. Well, his left on base percentage did not change at all from going to Seattle to uh, New York. So consistency. Yeah, so that's good, right? Mm-hmm. Really, a lot of his stats looked pretty similar, except the walks, which they went up almost a whole walk in inning last year, which tells me yeah. that is an outlier because his Agreed. career his career uh, walks per nine is 2.7. And if he's at 3-2, I think um, that is a real good indication of some possible bounce back. Greater production, plus he's healthy. If the knee's good, bring down the walks, better knee. James Paxton could be a top 10 SP. Throw it out there, baby. There it is. Excellent, Mike. Excellent. So let's uh, let's move into some of these deep cuts, guys, that might be outside the top 36 that you're seeing. Uh, Mike's got a list of a few guys. I got a list of a few guys. Uh, you want to kick it off, Mike? Okay, so all the guys I'll list here, they're all outside of 150 ADP. Like, they're beyond that. Okay. So these are definitely deep cuts. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, this is a personal favorite of mine. Miami Marlin used to be with the Cardinals. They got Mm -hmm. him in a deal a couple years ago for the Ozuna trade, I believe. And he's got a special place in my heart, Deary. There it is. He pitched that shutout last year to win me the title on the final day of the season. (laughs) That will do it. It was a complete game. You're going to love this guy forever now. Exactly. Exactly. 9K shutout. A complete game, which is so rare these days. I think it affected a lot of leagues because he's a guy that was picked up on that that last day. Yeah, he was. I I used my last uh, transaction of the week on him, and uh, he shut out the Royals, and he looked really good. And his second half numbers actually were a lot better than his first half. He still doesn't strike out enough, guys, but... This is the simple prognosis for Alcantara in 2020. If he can lower his walks and turn that into more Ks, mm-hmm. then his it's really going to change all of his numbers because his, his walk percentage will go down, his K rate will go up, and I really believe this is a guy who could get to like an 8.5 K per nine. He's been in the sevens for the most part. I think that that can go up some more because this is a guy who's not hit his potential yet. Yeah, he's still a young guy. I definitely see him continuing to rise. Um, I would not shy away the fact that he's playing for the Marlins. I mean, if uh, hopefully you're not playing in leagues where wins and losses matter, mm-hmm. and it's going to be more the deep di- diving stats that are going to count. So, uh, yeah, I like, I like Alcantara. So a guy I'm going to bring up here, uh, he's going to be the number three starter for the Padres, Denilson Lament. Is that how you pronounce it, Mike? 
<laughs> I don't even know. Sure, why not? Sure. Okay. So this guy is yeah. only 27 years old. I like him because his his K rate is amazing. Um, all through the minors, his K rate was, was averaging right around 12. Uh, last year it was 12.95 in 73 innings pitched. He's projected to have about 150 to 170 innings this week or wow. this year with a K per nine over 11 is what a lot of the projections are having him at. The issue with him is he walks guys. Last year walked him at 3.70. Per nine, which is just way too high, and he's also had that problem in the minors. He's someone with a high K rate like that. If he can get those walks down a little bit, I think he's someone who could be on the rise, and he's someone who you could grab real, real late. Might even be someone who doesn't get drafted. Well, he's someone who's so young, too. He's just getting started with his career. So he is so inexperienced and so much growth to be had. I, I'm all for that. I think that's great. All right. Who's your next guy, Mike? Uh, let's go with uh, Kyle Gibson. So Kyle Gibson's again, this is another Texas Ranger. He signed with the Rangers in the offseason from the Twins. He's 32 years old. He's older than you think, maybe, because he was supposed to be a prospect that boomed. He never boomed. He's been serviceable. But I think that there is some information that shows me he could be better than he's been. Uh, last year, his home run fly ball rate went from 14 to 20%. That's a big jump. And his career average is around 14%. So if he brings that down, that could be great news. The negative part, though, is that he's pitching, as you said, in party zone down in, our, <laughs> down in Dallas. The Texas party zone. In the hot zone. Come on know? down, Gibby. Yeah, the ball's flying. I mean, summertime, he better get he better get all his best starts in maybe in the early part <laughs> of the season before it heats up down there in old the Metroplex. Uh, but he had a 330 BABIP. That's above his career norm, too, slightly. And he also had over three. His walk percentage was over three, which was a little. It's not ideal. So I think these, there's room for growth, even though he's 32. And maybe I'm crazy, and maybe he'll just be a total bust. But this is you're not losing much when you take a Kyle Gibson. You know, his ADP is way lower than some of these other guys. So you don't have to sweat losing a lot of opportunity, like, oh, God, I went all in on Kyle Gibson and I shouldn't have done that, you know? <laughs> so that's why I'm bringing up all these guys that are lower than 150. They're guys that you, you just take a flyer on, and the risk is minimal, that you're not losing a lot. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Vern? Yeah, you know what I mean, Vern? Yeah, Vern, 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 yeah Vern. I, I, I'm not fully on board with having Kyle Gibson on my team. Uh, I think he's probably going to end up moving to the long relief, uh, you know, status. Wow. Down in Texas. But well, here's the great thing about baseball. Things change so quickly. Things change, mocks. Things change so quickly. Guys can have these these amazing seasons where guys don't hit their potential till they're in their early 30s. So I'm not saying it's not possible for Kyle Gibson, but I'm not buying in. Absolutely. Just for the record, though, you can get him at 330th overall right now on average, so no big deal. Take a flyer. So the next guy I have to bring up, Cincinnati Reds pitcher Anthony DiSclafani. Yeah. DiSclafani. Is that right, Mike? DiSclafani. I'm only picking guys that I can't pronounce their names. Why not? Make a challenge for yourself. Yeah. So 29-year-old, six foot one. you know, pitches for the Reds, 166 innings last year. Um an ERA of 3.89. I like this guy. I, he's someone who's been somewhat consistent over the last uh, couple of years with the Reds. Um, doesn't walk a ton of guys, so his walk rate is under under uh, un, under three, mid twos. Um, you know, 
needs to do a better job getting guys out when there's other guys on base. His BABIP has, has been under 300 for the last couple of years. He's a guy who I could see, uh, you know, making a jump this year with the Reds. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think that's a, a smart pick, Deary. So, two guys that are going pretty high in a lot of ADPs in terms of starting pitchers. Uh, two young guys for the Cleveland Indians. You got Shane Bieber and Clevenger. Oh, baby. This is hot sauce right here. This is really, really, really hard. And I, I think you're splitting hairs here between both these guys. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to take Clevenger in a, just a slight nail-biter. Bieber exploded last year. And the one thing that I, I think of right now when I look at him is his, his left-on-base percentage last year went from 69 the previous year to 77%. So mm -hmm. he, he, got a, he left a lot more guys stranded. Mm -hmm. I think there's some regression there slightly. But his K-rate is here to stay because he was already striking out guys when he first came up. Yeah. But Clevenger didn't get a full season. He only got 126 innings last year. Now, if he gets a full season, like he pitched 200 innings in 2018. Yeah. So he can do it. I'm going to go Clevenger by hair. Yeah, I love that K rate for Clevenger. I mean, over 12 last year. Um, left on base percentage was 80% last year, um, which, which is which is lights out. Uh, Clevenger's got really, really good stuff. But she, I, I, I like Shane Bieber as well. Uh, 1.05 whip last year. His K rate is over 10. Uh, doesn't walk a ton of guys. I think both these guys have the real possibility of being fantasy studs and being a number one on your team. Absolutely. And, and by the way, his LOB percentage of 80%, that's his norm because in 2018, it was 79%. So that's that, there's no regression there like there is with Bieber. Just something to point out. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two, two guys that I, I don't think you can go wrong with if, if they're both healthy. I think oh, yeah. both of them are going to be studs for you. Yeah. This is just it's a little bit nitpicky, but it, they're also very similar. It's a good comparison. All right. So I'm going to bring up two guys, two young guys coming up next. Mm. Uh, we got Chris Paddock and Tyler Glasnow. Paddock with the Padres. Uh, got a short stint last year and was an absolute stud to start off and kind of regressed towards the end of the year. Tyler Glasnow was unreal until he got injured. He actually, you know, he came over in that trade with Pittsburgh. Um, who do you like out of these two guys? Woo! You know, I want to say real quick that Deary put all these comparisons together, and they are outstanding. They are really good because Paddock and Glass now are an excellent comparison. Two young studs, uh, innings limits, injuries, really shining at moments, showing great potential, but still plenty of growth to be had. I, I think if Glass knows healthy, I'm going to take Glass now just because I love the Rays' mastery of pitchers. That's what I'm going with. I'm not going to give you any stats. I mean, I could tell you that Paddock gave up 23 home runs in 140 innings pitched last year, mm -hmm. which is quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And the Glasnow only gave up four and 60 innings pitched. But that doesn't matter to me. I just like Glasnow's stuff, he, and I love what the Rays do. They just maximize all their pitchers. They get every last little piece of juice out of them. Wait, piece of juice? Piece, piece of, of meat. juice. Squeeze, they get every, squeeze of the juice. They get every last drop of juice out of them. <laughs> yes. So give me uh, Glasnow. Yeah, Glasnow just had 60 innings pitched last year. ERA of 1.78. Whip under under 0.9. Uh, K per nine was super high. Neither of these guys walk a ton. I think my question is, is how many innings is Glasnow going to pitch this year? Um, you know, with only having 60 last year, is, is he going to be upwards to 150, closer to 180? I think you're going to have to take into account for that. But, uh, I mean, if he can come out and, and bust out uh, at the start of, you know, opening day and be as good as he was last year, he can really, really get you off to a good start in fantasy. Um, that, yeah, that's a good point. 
Yeah, Chris Paddock, 140 innings last year. Like I said, he had a little bit of a regression, but he's also a guy who doesn't walk a ton. I think his K per nine is probably going to go up a little bit. But I think I'm on board with you. I think I would I would lean towards Glass now moving forward. But these are two guys that I'll be interested to see where their ADP goes as as more of these fancy baseball registrations open up and people start doing drafts. So I'm interested to see where these guys go. What about Nola versus Woodruff? So Aaron Nola, Brandon Woodruff. Aaron Nola last year, skyrocketing walk percentage. It just went through the roof. Yeah, it was so ugly. He, he went up a whole walk per inning for 3. nine 5, innings. 3.56. Yeah, that's brutal. He went from 2.4 to 3.5. That is that is really the essence of his season. Mm-hmm. It destroyed him because he's got more base runners on, and then if he gives up more home runs, which he did, then it all adds up. So to me, though, I'm going with Aaron Nola, no-brainer. I mean, Woodruff is a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's a real nice fella. Uh, his, the thing about Woodruff that I found most fascinating was that he had a 301 FIP versus 362 ERA last year. Okay. That is a, that means he should have been way better than his numbers show. Mm-hmm. So that gives me, I'm definitely more into Brandon Woodruff than I was before we did this podcast. I, I really was just dismissed him completely. But once I looked inside the numbers, I'm more intrigued and I'll be looking at him further. But if it's between Nola and Woodruff, I think Nola bounces back. He's pitched 200-plus innings the last couple of years. He's very consistent. He's just a guy you can rely on. Yeah, I, I think Nola's definitely due for a bounce back. There's no way he's going to walk three-and-a-half batters per nine again. That just got him into so much trouble last year. But he still did okay you know, with getting getting out of guys being on base. at 76.8. That's not terrible considering there was that many guys on base. So that, that that's not that bad. Um, Woodruff, I, you know, I didn't really know much about Brandon Woodruff. Never really seen him pitch live, and then as the Brewers were going down the stretch, and I was, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs, and I was watching more. Dude, this guy throws gas. Mm. I was, n- I, I didn't know he was a fireballer. He's very gassy. Yeah, he he, he he's got gas. <laughs> so you know, his his K per nine is going to be high. Um, you know, 121 innings is, is that an arm that's going to be able to pitch 180 to 200? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I I think I would lean towards Nola as well. Prospects, prospects, prospects. We love oh, prospects. You know why we love prospects, dearie? Because it's the hope springs eternal. There's always a new tomorrow. Someone has a fresh start. And when all our lives have failed, there's always <laughs> a new life that hasn't failed yet. That's why we love prospects. So Baseball America releases their top 100 prospects. I believe it was just released yesterday or on Monday. This is fresh, baby. Fresh, fresh hot takes. Uh, so number one prospect, Wander Franco from the Rays. What's your take on Wander, Mike? Is that like John Franco? They related? Wander and John. Yeah. (laughs) The New York City pizza eating doofus versus a very slick elite baseball prospect. Hmm. So this guy's only 18 years old right now. Yeah, but some people are saying he's going to break in this year. Set, I think that's extreme, but set set to, set to be 19. You know, right before uh, you know spring training begins, he's a shortstop, uh, switch hitter. Uh, you know, he, he, he real quick rise um, in the last couple of years. Uh, number number one prospect in baseball. I don't know if he can, they're going to bring him up this quickly. That doesn't seem like the mantra of the Rays is, is rushing guys up to the majors. So uh, you may not see him this year, but definitely keep an eye on him and, and how he's doing in the minors this year. Well, he'll be 19 in March next month. In mm-hmm. fact, on March 1st. So that means the whole season he'll be 19 and mostly 19 later part of the year. And we've seen 19-year-olds break into the bigs. So 
it's not unheard of. You know, Dwight Gooden, A-Rod, you know, all these guys. They're, they're, they're unique and they're special. But if this guy <clears throat> is as special as everyone says he is, and he just keeps projecting through, yeah. he could pretty much script, skip AAA and just go from AA right to the majors. Yeah, we've seen it the last couple of years with guys that are 20 years old. You know, Ronald Acuna, yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. That, mm. You know, a couple months, and they're, they're up in a league, and they're performing immediately. So uh, we'll see if Wander Franco ends up being that guy. Yeah, I just think, uh, I mean, we're not going to go over 100 prospects at all. Of course. It's just interesting that some of these teams that are really good teams, like the Dodgers, one of the best teams in baseball, they have seven wow. prospects on this list. Yeah. Uh, the Twins and Padres had six, and even our uh, local Tigers, an all-time record for the Tigers since this list has been coming out, which I believe the first Baseball America Top 100 prospect list was 1990. Okay. And this is a record, five prospects. Wow. That's the Tigers, Mariners, Diamondbacks, and Marlins tied with five. Wow. So that's – and we know those studs, are, you know, Casey Mize. Yeah, they got and, three uh, pitchers Manning. and two hitters on that uh, on that list. I think, uh, you know, Mize and Manning are two guys you'll probably see this year. Uh, Scooble. What Derek, about Derek Scooble came out of nowhere last year. He was striking out like 14, 15 guys yeah. know, per nine last year, which is unreal. So I'm interested to see what he does. And then their two hitters are, are still several years away with uh, – uh, Riley and uh, Isaac Paredes. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So the Ra- the Rays with the most eight prospects in the top one hundred. Yep. Absolutely. You gotta love how the how the Rays scouting department and how they've been able to build this system, win ninety games and have the small payroll that they have. And other guys they traded uh, would have been on this list. Uh, Liberatore <laughs> on the Cardinals. Yeah. And the uh, Jesus Chances Sanchez on the Marlins they traded last year. So there was more. There's I mean it's just endless for them. They have some of the. And what is so interesting is that Andrew Friedman is the former Rays yep. director of operations, and now mm-hmm. he's in L.A., and the top two teams are the Rays and the Dodgers. You know, that's not a coincidence, probably. Yeah, it's it's rare to see a, a team like the Dodgers that are consistently winning, you know, 100 games. I think they've won seven straight NL West titles. Still yeah. can't get over the over the hump and win that World Series, but... You got, when you've got prospects like that and, and at the deadline you're looking for some veteran pitching, you know, a, a big bopper to come in, play, you know, the outfield or somewhere in the infield if you have an injury, yep. you've got prospects to give up, and that's, that's, those are real, real coveted poker chips. I was only laughing because it sucks to be a Brewers fan who have zero prospects on the list. Ooh. Unfortunate. Sorry, Brewers fans. Ouch. Wait, Deary, I heard we got some mail questions. We got a mail question? Yeah, thanks for hitting us up on the mailbag at Proton Mail. What is it? Yo, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. I'm not good with remembering this stuff. Oh, who cares? Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Two L's, two Z's, right, Deary? Yeah, so we got we got three questions here, Mike. These are real, real fun questions. So question one from Wait, Deary. wait, we have three questions? Wow, this is amazing. Three questions in the mailbag. So okay. If you want to hit us up, go right ahead. We will answer your uh, your, your mailbag questions. Uh, we'll uh, answer your tweets, too, uh, at Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, we got nothing to do. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Question number one from Derek. So he plays in a standard head-to-head categories keeper league. He must keep two of the following four players. Josh Bell, Cattell Marte, Jorge Soler, and Chris Paddock. What are hmm. your thoughts, Mike? Hmm. Uh, wow, that's... It'd be nice to know what, uh, what he needed or what the she or whoever this person is... Uh what the rest of the roster looked like. But if it's these four players and you must choose two, I really just don't buy into the Cattell Marte stats, but yeah. apparently all the advanced metrics are supporting what he does. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say this. I like Jorge Soler. He exploded last year and he finally was hitting that potential and it could get even better. 
So give me Marte and Soler out of these four. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I, I would definitely go with Soler. Soler helped me win two championships last year. Wow. Uh, a guy I took real, real late. I think I got him in the 15th round, hit 48 home runs, ended up being a top 25 player. Um, yeah, you know, I, tra- he, he, I traded him uh, like June last year. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I was looking to trade him too because I didn't think it was going to last, and it just got better. I mean, he was this big prospect with the Cubs, makes the move over to the Royals, just was kind of under the radar, and I think he's really starting to come into his own. So, so Soler's the one guy that I keep for sure. Josh Bell has an amazing season last year. Um, he tailed off, though, in the second half. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure, you know, the career statistics, you know, warrant him being able to to match doing that same thing. I'm not a big fan of that Pirates lineup as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be real bogus this year, and especially if they trade Marte. You know, I can tell Marte, I mean, he plays several positions for you, so he can give you some good eligibility there. Um, Chris Paddock, we just talked about him, young guy. Um, I'll go with the pitcher. I'll go, I'll go with Paddock and Soler here. Wow, you really like Paddock, don't you? I'm getting a feeling like... Uh... Ooh, he's got a feeling. Yeah, you know, everybody who's in my fantasy baseball league will be like, ooh, Deary's going after Paddock, Deary's going after Paddock, and then someone's going to reach for him, and then I'll be like, aha, I got you. <laughs> Question number two from Bill. Bill, thanks for sending us a, a note here. Hey, Bill! So, Bill has run a keeper league for 15 years. Wow, I wonder if this is Bill from my fantasy that, league. That, that's impressive. Oh, could be Bill from your fantasy yeah, league. Yeah, I wonder if it is. I, don't know. I doubt it. He... he... Anyways, wait, so go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So he runs this league 15 years now, desperately trying to get rid of wins. Are wins still a relevant fantasy category? I, I, it can't be the bill from your league, Mike, because no. I, I don't see you playing with wins. Well, we do. Ooh. Yeah, we do play with wins, and Bill is definitely not a progressive guy. I think it's fair to say. Uh, it's not a judgment. It's just a fact. But I think wins are dated, but... Fantasy relevant? They might be fantasy relevant. They're definitely dated to me in like in terms of baseball, mm-hmm. the reality of baseball. Mm-hmm. How a pitcher gets a win is totally ridiculous. Yeah, absurd. it doesn't matter. But as a, a category where you're <laughs> counting stats, I guess it may still be. A, I'd be happy to move on from it. I, I I wonder if quality starts are that much better. I don't, I don't know what you think exactly, but yeah, I mean, if you have wins, you got to have losses. I mean, it kind of goes both ways. I mean, I. I get it. It can be frustrating. Your, your your guy's got a two-run lead, and he gets pulled in the sixth or seventh inning. Well, we don't have losses, by the way. And, we just and, have wins. Ooh. So that's not my call. I don't run the league. but So the way I always see it is if you're going to have you know a category that's in favor one way, you got to have the inverse of that. And if you have wins, I think you got to have losses. Most of my leagues that I play in, we don't do wins and losses. We do quality starts. But I do play in a league that we have wins, and we also have losses. Hmm. Um, yeah, in the, in the grand scope of MLB baseball, I mean – when you're looking through the metrics and you're looking at your starting pitchers, you're not like saying, oh, I'm going to grab this guy because he had 20, 20 wins last year. <laughs> it could be a guy that could have a four-and-a-half ERA who plays for the Yankees. So That's true. Um, yeah, in terms of it still being a rele- relevant fantasy category, um, I'm fine if, if, if people are still going to go with wins. Um, but, yeah, desperately trying to get rid of wins. I wonder if they're going to try to replace it with something. Yeah, um, I would assume quality starts, or, but maybe they'll just flip the script and get rid of wins and losses entirely. I'm not sure. We don't have all the information. Okay. Well, thanks for the note, Bill. If any of you have any other uh, you know, questions in terms of some of the categories that you play in, uh, Mike and I have been playing fantasy baseball for close to over 20 years now, so uh, we've played in many, many different leagues where there's a lot of different crazy categories. Remember well, that year? 22 years here, Deary. 22, 22 years. years. My first was 1998, I remember. Yeah, I think, yeah, 98 or 99, it was pretty, it's probably, probably the same for me as well. Remember that time, Mike, we played with fielding percentage in that one league we were in together? <laughs> Yeah, that was I interesting. <laughs> you wanted a true 
Like, yeah. <laughs> effect of what happens in real baseball. We played with fielding percentage. It was very so, odd. Yeah, and it's not even – fielding percentage isn't even relevant anymore in baseball anyway. So. <laughs> That's funny. You're right. I totally forgot about that. That was the first season of the future, I believe. Hey, we want complete realism. Yeah. One year we did that. That was stupid. I admit <laughs> that completely. All right, question number three. This comes from Dennis. Oh, so Dennis. Dennis is in a 16-team dynasty league. Is this Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's probably got all Phillies on his team. <laughs> so he plays in the 16-league dynasty league. He was offered Michael Kopech and Starling Marte for Jordan Alvarez and Yoan Mancada, and he needs pitching. What do you hmm. think of this offer? Jordan and Yoan. Jordan and Yoan. Hmm. So Michael Kopech hasn't made a major league start You give yet. up. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, well, Col- he did. No, that's not true. Remember, he had the did one start, up? and then he came out, uh, and then he was done. Then he had the yeah. TJ. So yeah. the, it, you're right. It's barely. So this, 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 this guy's been a fireballer. He was part of the you know Red Sox, White Sox deal a few years ago. Fireball, who's been amazing in the minor leagues, you know, has been a top five prospect. And then, you know, he had, he had Tommy John last year. Uh, so I think know. it's a no brainer. Yeah, I think it's a no brainer. If he says he needs pitching, then take the deal for Kopech and Marte because Marte is still a good player. He's as good as a. Uh, Moncada, I'd have, I'd probably pick Marte over Moncada, but it is a dynasty league. But it, a dynasty changes things, though. So, if you look at it in dynasty terms, you're still getting a really young stud, and Marte's not old. What do you think of Alvarez, though? He's clearly a very special player. Mm-hmm. He had uh, one of the highest uh, weighted runs created over the last 20 years by a rookie. I saw this on Twitter last night. Uh, this guy posted a list of all the the highest uh, minimum 300 plate appearances weighted runs created. Okay. And a couple guys were on there that really blew my mind. <laughs> Chris Duncan from 2006 Cardinals. Oh, no. He who, passed away not too long ago. Yeah, I, did, that's, I learned this last night. Yeah. He died last year. Uh, terrible. And then another guy that I totally forgot, Garrett Jones. Do you remember Garrett Jones? Pittsburgh Pirates? Yes. Corner outfielder? That's really good. Maybe, first maybe, baseman, Maybe played outfielder? first base, too, yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot about those guys. They were the two most random names on the list. But Jordan uh-huh. Alvarez had the highest... Runs created in the last 20 years by a rookie with 300 plate appearances, so he might be pretty special because a lot of the other guys on that list were really relevant and top-notch players. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably stay away from this trade for the time being just because there's so much unproven right now with Kopech. Um, I'm not the, the biggest Starling Marte fan, and you got you know two young guys in Moncada and Alvarez that I, I think are really on the cusp of becoming superstars. So. Mm. It'll be interesting to see. So if you have any mailbag questions for us, please send us your questions. Hopefully we can sift through the massive mailbag we have, and uh, maybe we'll do three or four (laughs) four of these each week. I think these are the only three we got, but that's a start, you know? So thank you, guys. Well, thank you for joining us today for the Palazzo Podcast. Um, Hopefully we got to... Answer some of your deep dive questions when it comes to starting pitching. Uh, we hit a lot here today, Mike. I don't know how long we've been talking, but it seems, it seems like a while. Um, Two years. Excellent, excellent. So next week we will preview uh, some of our relief pitchers and have some other kind of uh, fun stuff to, to, to get through in terms of Major League Baseball and landscape. We'll be less than two weeks from Pitchers and Catchers Report. Hell yeah. we report next week. Can't wait. And if you want to hit us up, send us some mailbag questions. Palazzo Podcast at protonmail.com you can also find us on twitter at plazo podcast thank you for joining us we will see you next week i am chris deary this is my friend michael govier thanks for joining us I don't